If you've had IBS for long enough now, you may know that IBS is not a particularly specific diagnosis. IBS is actually, by nature, a catch-all diagnosis. You can actually find that truth in the name, irritable bowel syndrome. A syndrome in the medical world refers to a disease state with a recognizable pattern of symptoms, but lacks a consistent or known cause. Some other syndromes you may have heard of before include chronic fatigue syndrome, polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, and carpal tunnel syndrome. If you've been diagnosed with a syndrome, such as the ones I just listed, or IBS, it's basically the doctor saying, this patient is presenting with a common set of symptoms, but I have no idea what is causing it. That is literally what a syndrome means. So the next big question is, if you have a syndrome that inherently has no known single cause, what can you do about it? And even more, do you have any hope of getting rid of it? In the case of IBS, the answer is a resounding yes. And on today's episode, I'm sharing with you the six most common causes of IBS that we are seeing and treating at Better Belly Therapies. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Before we begin talking about the six most common causes of IBS on today's episode, I wanted to just give a bit of a framework um, for these six causes as you're listening to them. So number one is the solution to IBS is to find what is specifically going on in your unique body. And so realizing that IBS is a set of symptoms that it can have multiple causes and what causes a, your set of symptoms for one person, what causes an IBS set of symptoms for someone else the causes underneath it might be different than the causes underneath your set uh, or your IBS symptoms. And so we want to be really open-minded and and investigative and detective-like in our approach to IBS, realizing if something worked for someone else really radically well and you try it and it sort of works or doesn't really work, that doesn't mean that you either have like an unfixable version of IBS or that you did it wrong, whether that's like I did the diet wrong or I did the 
prayer and meditation wrong, but it could just mean that that was getting at the root cause or getting better at the root cause of that person compared to you. And so as you're listening, I want you to really consider that chronic IBS rarely has one cause, and that's part of the complexity of the syndrome. It's why it can be so frustrating for you to deal with. It's why our clients often come to us having tried at least one thing from this following list, but often many things, and they've experience some, but not total relief. And they can often feel like, well, it must be my fault. I don't have enough willpower. I didn't do it right. And they can just kind of relive the wheel. Well, really, oftentimes they're just missing. They actually just totally missed what what the key thing is. And so they're, they're hammering away at the same set of stuff, whether it's food or diet or mindset or whatever, and they're not really getting at something else going on. Um, so the key to solving IBS is getting Every key aggravator, not some of them, and definitely not missing any major players, such as number one on the list that I am about to share. Uh, Second thing to consider as you're listening to these six most common causes is just listen to what items on this list that you have explored. When I'm talking about them, is there any item that you haven't explored at all? Is there anything missing from your investigation for your health? Did you possibly explore one of these areas partially, but not fully. Like you, you looked at some, um, things with the doctor, but maybe not everything. And I'll get more into that when we actually get to individual, the individual causes. Um, and then did you work with an expert functional health practitioner to make sure you didn't miss any key parts of healing from these causes? Cause something else that we are seeing and have seen in our clients is that maybe somebody else did find a problem, one of these causes, one of these six underlying causes, but then when we and asked them, like, what did they do about it? What was your healing journey like? And we're like, oh, yeah, of course you didn't feel better. That wasn't actually the full healing process. And sometimes that full healing process didn't happen because they were in like a 12-week gut healing program and it wasn't a long enough time or it wasn't tailored specific enough to them. Or maybe they were working with a doctor and the doctor's like what insurance allowed them to order for regarding labs or medication or whatever didn't really quite get at what they needed. So that's another thing that can be be a reality and just consider even if you're like, oh, I did explore that with someone. Is there a possibility? And can you tell from anything that I'm sharing that, oh, maybe that was partially healed, but not fully healed. And number three, just note, I guess I kind of already just said this, but know which, which one of the following six things you haven't done or explored, because that's where your hope is. I, in, in better belly therapies, we say that's where your healing opportunity is. We're not looking to remake the wheel. If you've already done food sensitivities out the wazoo and the low FODMAP diet and all this stuff, you really don't need to go back to that. Like, congratulations, you've graduated from that at least solution, like hammering away at it. It's time to think about something new, and that's where your hope's going to be. So without further ado, number one, so this is going to be, I started kind of some of the biggest, most common things that we see and then go down. Though honestly, most of our clients are going to have, there's six of them listed here, three, four, five, or maybe all six of these going on that is um, causing their IBS to be ongoing, intense, unpleasant really not 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 going away anytime what to them looks like feels like not going away easily but it can go away so number one this is the number one most biggest cause um, which is pathogens 
pathogens. I'm talking about bacteria, yeast, mold. Um, I feel like I'm blanking on parasites. <laughs> That's definitely a big one. Um, things like when our clients come into us, I want to name some pathogens for y'all just for an example. Candida, uh, that specific pathogen, our clients get the worst bloating with cat candida. So bloating is like one of your number one things. It gets worse in the day. It's really bad at night. You can't sleep. It it gets worse after you eat. Like candida is a huge one. Um, By the way, many of our clients have more than one pathogen. So it's not enough to just try and do some one, you know, pathogen. You really, really want to make sure, are we addressing every symptom? For example, number two, H. pylori. This will often come with things like acid reflux. So a lot of people, now acid reflux is technically its own diagnosis. So a lot of clients with IBS will also have, well, I have acid reflux, whether that's a GERD diagnosis or just like, well, I, I take an acid reducer or PPI and my doctor gave this to me, or I just stay away from spicy foods. But the big thing is, is that that can be irritated by now. You have two pathogens. You have H. pylori and you have candida. Not only are they giving you nasty symptoms, they're also stealing new nutrients from you, uh, inflaming your gut lining and and, uh, and burdening your liver with toxins. So just those two on their own, you're going to be much weaker and you're going to have all these other problems like leaky gut and, and stuff that's um, foggy headedness and, and all these things that are linked to all that because of these pathogens. And so um, if you go on some type of food restriction diet like um, the low FODMAP, it's not going to be enough because going on the low FODMAP doesn't kill candida or H. pylori. Another pathogen is C. diff. Um, this has some of the biggest emotional impact on our clients because C. diff, or it's the full name is Clostridia difficile. That is, it actually blocks something called dopamine beta hydrogenase. And that is going to block the conversion of dopamine to norepinephrine in the brain. And that's going to really throw off a lot of your sense of focus. You're going to have a harder time losing weight. You're going to have a lot more apathy. And honestly, we really see this like anxiety for no reason really ramp up with a C. diff. Um, mold can be in there. Uh, mold, one of the most unique things we're seeing, and if someone says this, we almost always are thinking about mold for them, which is vertigo. Mold can cause a lot of brain inflammation, um, as well as a lot of immune, huge immune response, immune taxation. It can be really connected to autoimmune diseases. So if you have IBS and an autoimmune disease, something else to keep in mind. But Uh, mold can often come with vertigo. And I've just pulled out like one symptom from each of these pathogens to show how um, they can be connected to different sets of symptoms that are then underneath this big umbrella of, of IBS. Um, When you have pathogens, it leads to poor digestion, leaky gut, liver burden, poor sleep, gut inflammation, sinus problems, increased food sensitivities. The list goes on and you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like honestly, a lot of our clients like and hormone problems and skin problems and all of that's connected. And the first thing we want to look for is pathogens, because if you've tried everything else that that should have worked, what we want to keep in mind is that that going gluten free does not kill H. pylori, for example, I mean, it doesn't kill any pathogens. So a food, food restrictions, food, food, specific food diets, food elimination, if that did not work and did not solve everything, 
your likelihood of having a pathogen skyrockets, uh, at least in our clinic. We don't have a percentage on that, just just massively skyrockets. And that is something that a lot of times doctors are not looking for because doctors um, and conventional healthcare system, their measure of what a, like when to test somebody for a pathogen, that you have to be presenting with much more intense symptoms typically. There's other problems where, um, we've mentioned this on the podcast before, there's other problems where the H. pylori, like if you actually get a test, if you're lucky enough that your doctor tests you for H. pylori, that can still come out negative because of how they measure test results. And we've had five clients at this point come to us and say, hey, I've already been tested for H. pylori, it came negative. And we're like, well, great. We're going to run this other test. It includes H. pylori. We'll just see if it pops up. And all five of them, H. pylori popped up. Um, and that's because the test that we use has more sensitive measures is how you can say they have functional lab testing ranges. So that's number one, pathogens. Have you explored it? Uh, if so, have you explored all the pathogens that I mentioned. I didn't even mention every single specific one. I didn't talk about parasites. Parasites can really (laughs) vary in their symptoms. Like blastocystis hominis is the most common parasite to have with IBS. And we have a whole podcast episode on it. Um, So we'll put that in the show notes. But um, I actually personally had blastocystis hominis. um, And the podcast episode has a title, something along the lines of the most common um, parasite or pathogen to have with IBS. And it is. There's actually research on that around the world. It's if you just grab a bunch of people with IBS and you test them, it's just the most common parasite you're going to find, um, or most common pathogen you'll find um, under the scope. And so dealing with Blastocystis hominis radically improves many things, but maybe not everything. So because number two, a second thing that can be going on with IBS at the same time or on its own is physical restrictions in the body. And what am I talking about this? I'm talking about Um, like your actual tissue of your body having restrictions. And so that's, we're thinking about nervous system restrictions around the brain, spinal cord, meninges. The meninges are that, this protective skin around your brain and your spinal cord. And if those get damaged and they can easily get injured and they can actually lose elasticity and they'll end up rubbing on, for example, spinal nerves coming out of your of your spine, right? And they're going to be irritating them and sending signals that are going to interfere or cause static with, for example, for example, a nerve that is then talking to a organ in your gut, like your small intestine or your stomach. And that interference, that physical restriction could actually be in the spinal cord or be in the brain. Um, It can be somewhere along the vagus nerve pathway and no amount of breathing or, or, or food sensitivity or even pathogen killing is going to address the physical side of a restriction. Other restrictions we're thinking about is organ restrictions. And organ restrictions, uh, we're really actually thinking about, so the organ has like its own little encasing um, and that's a, a, a viscera, fa- visceral fascia, which kind of protects it. And then that visceral fascia has basically what I like to say seatbelts that hook in that organ to specific locations. And these are called, these are visceral ligaments and these hooks can attach to bone. So like your liver has a ligament, like your right triangular ligament literally attaches to your right side of your rib cage, right? And so if you get injured, if you get collided into on your right side or you fall on your right side or 
something happens and that right side gets impacted, your right triangular ligament of your body can seize and your liver is now less um, mobile. It, it's going to have worse blood flow in that area, worse um, bile flow in that area. It's going to have worse um, lymphatic flow in that area. So that whole area of the liver is going to be impacted now. And so things that can cause both this, what I would say, nervous system restriction, brain, spinal cord meninges, and organ restriction, um, those are going to be caused by car accidents, everything from a rear ending to uh, my car was totaled or flipped or whatever, sports collisions, even if there's no like noted concussion or like noted like, I had, yeah, I had this like horrible sports thing, but just realizing like volleyball diving, um, I have not seen this in my clinic, but I have talked with other visceral manipulation practitioners and they've seen clients who either are professional volleyball players or played volleyball in high school or middle school. When you dive that that your whole abdomen kind of gets smacked against the floor and they've seen a lot of restrictions in kidneys, for example. They've seen restrictions in the small intestine um, and that is all going to be, I mean, you got lots of options. Your whole torso is smacking the floor whether you're playing beach volleyball or not beach volleyball. And so just um, diving in volleyball, if you're in soccer, you're running at a pretty good clip. Someone runs into you, you fall, they fall, or you smash together. Um, even if it's not aggressive, that is a real collision. Falling in tennis, falling off a horse, um, like if you do equestrian sports. So these all are ways that your whole body gets jostled. And even if you don't have a diagnosis of like, oh, yeah, I had a concussion or something, you can genuinely still be suffering trauma inside um, your body, even again, without a bruise, even without a cut, that those build up over time. Other things um, that can cause restrictions in your physical body tissues that then will impact your gut and can cause IBS, falling um, on your tailbone, an actual concussion, epidurals, um, or any type of spinal tap that you've had to do, whether that's, you know, to get a steroid injected or to get something tested in your, in your cere cerebral spinal fluid. Yeah, you're getting that that tissue punctured, and sometimes the meninges don't don't uh, recover, and there can be some scarring even in that area, and that we've noticed can be correlated with low back pain and uh, slow transit time, weak motility of the gut, so you're not pushing food along in the gut, so it's slowing down, so you're more constipated, or your bacteria end up overfeeding on food because it's not moving long. You have quick feelings of fullness. Um, you're just feeling bloated and gross. That can actually have a very, very physical um, uh, origin to it. And what we do in our clinic at Better Belly Therapies is we evaluate our local clients doing craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. And we evaluate, does their nervous system tissue have good mobility? Is there any part where it's stuck, where it's the cerebral spinal fluid's not able to expand and get into the whole brain and detox the brain and spinal cord? Are the meninges twisted anywhere? And that's what you can do with craniosacral therapy and then treat it. And then visceral manipulation. Similarly, we're evaluating the viscera, your organs. Can the organ rotate and move completely? Is it stuck anywhere? Is it stuck to another organ or is it jammed and kind of like... Are restricted and adhes to a bone. All of those are options. And so craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation are huge. And we will put a link in the show notes for a specific place where you can find someone near you. You put in your zip code, you pick craniosacral therapy or visceral manipulation, you find someone, uh, you want to look for someone good, <laughs> someone who does more than one level of training in either of them. Um, 
and you work with them. And then we also sometimes do send our patients or excuse me, patients, our clients to a chiropractor to become patients with the chiropractor because sometimes there can be stuff going on that's more um, macro, I'd say. So bigger in the, t- in the body that, that a, a actual physical adjustment on the spinal level is going to be helpful for. But um, if you have, for example, seen a chiropractor or a PT or gotten other types of therapy, even, you know, massage therapy, and you know you have some physical trauma past or you do feel at lack of ease in your body or you've tried all this other stuff for your IBS, but it hasn't, you haven't looked at craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation, those are very, very different than just a massage or just chiropractic or just PT. Um, They're really their own thing. And so... We recommend that. If you're listening and you are local to Ann Arbor, Michigan, we would love to see you in the Better Belly Clinic. And so you can also click a link we'll put in the show notes for setting up a new client appointment with us if you're listening and you're local. All right. Number three, a third most common thing that we see for um, common causes of IBS is mineral imbalance. And this is something I rarely am seeing anyone talk about, let alone like doing testing for. But common, the most common mineral patterns we're seeing is excess calcium loss. This is its own thing. And we're, it really like, my mind was blown that people are, that this is not being talked about. And the nuances of what's going on in mineral imbalance is, is, (laughs) it has, it took me, it was a core, I took a course, I don't know how many hours it was. I mean, it took me weeks to get through all of the information in this course. And I was just burning through it because I, I needed the information we needed to help our clients. And so there's a lot to say there on calcium. You, you can actually, one of the most common correlations we do see of people who are having an imbalance in their calcium is that it'll be actually low in their blood chemistry. It can actually, it can also be high and it can be normal. But if you have low calcium in your blood chemistry and your doctor's like, take some calcium, you can actually be making the situation worse because calcium can numb your nerves if you're not absorbing it into your bones. Which if you are sick, if you have IBS, you're compromised. It makes it much harder for you to absorb calcium into your bones. Then you can actually be taking that calcium you're you're taking, whether it's a supplement, food, whatever, and it can end up in wrong, unhelpful places. Everything from your muscles and joints, which is going to cause physical pain, to also your your nerve sheaths, and and that will actually reduce the quality of signal of your nerves of your entire body, which can affect your mood, it can affect your focus, but it can also affect your your peristalsis and that movement of your gut. Uh, magnesium loss is a huge, uh, there, magnesium accounts for 500 enzymatic reactions in the body. It's one of the most used mineral in the body and stress and strain result in a extra loss of magnesium. So if you're sick, if you're not feeling well, if you have a pathogen, um, if you have a toxin, in your body, your IBS is just going to be revved up and your magnesium loss is going to go out the door. And even if you're taking forms of magnesium, if you do not address the core causes of the magnesium loss, potentially other pathogens or heavy metals, um, liver burden, stress and strain uh, related to potentially something psychological, also potentially something physical, chronic pain can really um, amp up magnesium loss. Sugar imbalance in the body can up magnesium loss, all these things. If you don't address those things, you'll just keep losing magnesium. So yes, take magnesium, but remember that if you have a magnesium loss, which we test doing the hair tissue mineral analysis and HTMA, 
then you're going to want to also take magnesium, but really consider other factors outside of that. Sodium and potassium insufficiency is huge. Sodium and potassium are electrolytes. We need them for muscle contraction. And so if we're lacking those, and a lot of times we are after having adrenal fatigue and our clients come in with that, then um, sodium and potassium are no longer available for the smooth muscle to contract in the bowel. And again, you don't want to just take sodium and potassium. You really want to address why are we burning sodium and potassium and why is there an insufficiency? And then last two things have to do with more toxic elements in the body, copper toxicity and then mercury and aluminum toxicity. Copper toxicity is its own thing because copper is a inherently healthy mineral for us, but it can become toxic if it becomes basically unusable. Um, some common, common causes of copper toxicity, especially for women, one, the biggest one, the biggest one, IUDs and the pill, like the birth control pill. And that can be because copper and estrogen. So the reason like, for example, copper IUDs exist at all, and you might have a hormonal IUD, but, but, but just stick with me on the copper, what's going on with that? And why is copper toxic or becoming toxic for women using birth control or these forms of birth control? It's because that copper in, um, is proestrogenic. It keeps estrogen high. Well, similarly, if you are taking fake estrogen and you're keeping that estrogen high in the body and it's toxic more or less to your liver um, and your liver is being burdened by it, well, you're also inviting copper to hang around more than you want it to. And copper causes its own set of problems, emotional problems. Um, I mean, copper, copper is this very emotional, uh, mineral. It can cause a lot of pain, insomnia, like physical pain in the body, insomnia, um, poor detoxification. I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. Other common causes of copper toxicity is copper piping in homes. So even if your city water is, is rated very well and you can even look up, what is my city water? Like, People like there are um, places that are doing tests on city water and then they'll report it and say this is what contaminants are in the city water. Even if copper's low in your city water it can be high because that city water gets into your personal home's piping and copper piping is very common. So that can be a thing too. And so that then gets into testing our water at home and really not really doing any of these steps until you know you have a copper problem, but realizing this is part of the, the, the water we swim in of our world and why IBS is becoming more, if you're wondering why is IBS becoming more and more common, is it just because we're more aware? Well, maybe it's because more of us are on IUDs and the pill and more of us are, you know, having physical injuries in our body, you know, that we're not addressing. And we have pathogens we're getting exposed to from traveling internationally or from people we know traveling internationally. And um, just like the the big mixing bowl that we're going through and, and then the stress and strain so our body isn't able to kick out these pathogens or address the toxins on its own. And we just get more and more burdened. So we're on, you know, you can't just sit still and expect your body to stay healthy. However, if you do move in the right direction, you can expect your body to get healthy. It's just more about moving in the right direction, not just moving in, for example, a direction like, oh, I'm going to do this like smoothie cleanse or this juice cleanse. It really should be much more specific if you really want to get better. And if you have been on that treadmill of like, I want to get better um, and I've tried all these things you really want to be thinking of what have I not tried? Who should I be working with so that I can stop guessing in my health and actually find what's spe what I specifically need, not what's not what helps someone else. So solutions to 
to mineral imbalance that we follow in Better Belly Therapies. Number one, get a hair tissue mineral analysis. Test your hair. It's a very different than testing your blood or even doing like a micronutrient test, um, which is another blood test. Um, it's really looking at um, what minerals are coming out of your body, um, which tells us a different story versus like what minerals is your body keeping inside of it. A really phenomenal test, super affordable, and it's something we do with all of our clients multiple times as we test and, and, and evaluate how is their mineral, how are their minerals changing as we work with them, and even seeing and how are your symptoms correlating with that? It's just a beautiful, beautiful um, process. So do an HTMA test, figure out what minerals, what what's your mineral situation? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. And figure out what your mineral situation, situation is. You want to remove any external sources of that mineral irritation. Maybe that supplements you're taking, like your calcium is really high. You need to pause taking calcium for a bit. You actually, we recommend a different supplement that helps you uh, actually integrate the calcium into your body. Um, which essentially gets at the what your doctor is trying to get you at. If they're saying take calcium, you want to be absorbing it and integrating it, not just losing it or not making the situation worse. So um, maybe we stop. We sometimes have our clients stop taking vitamin D because it can worsen certain mineral situations. You want to maybe see if do you have copper piping? Do you have an IUD in? Do you have a history of birth control, even if you're not on it right now? And addressing all those things. So you then remove any active external sources that are that are adding to the mineral imbalance, and then you want to take very specific steps to um, such as supplements and activities that help the body reintegrate healthy minerals and then remove the toxic ones. So don't guess with this one because <laughs> you can actually make a situation worse. You can actually overtake certain minerals. You really want to know what's specific and relevant to where you and your body are right now. Number four we are seeing for IBS underlying causes is liver burden. And your liver is responsible for many, many things. A couple that are really important to IBS, one is bile production, which is going to help you break down fat, assimilate fat-soluble vitamins, have the you know healthy nutrient status. Bile also is inherently antimicrobial, so it does help with managing some of the um, microbalance in your gut. And so it, it can be helpful in either eliminating pathogens or reducing them or protecting against them. But if your bile, your gallbladder, or your liver have been really compromised and reduced, you're going to have a lot more problems. You're going to have smelly, smelly gas, smelly stool, greasy stool, floating stool, um, lots more bloating, lots more bacterial imbalance. Um, you're going to be nutrient deficient from not breaking down fat. You're going to feel weak and have lack of focus because you don't have the energy you're gaining from any fat you're eating. It's really, really no bueno. Um, the other thing that liver does, <laughs> one of the 20 billion things it does, is it detoxes your um, it detoxes your body. It detoxes like your whole body, um, especially your gut. And so if your liver is burdened, if it's congested, this is not a diagnosis. It's a description of what its state is, how it's suboptimally working. It's not in a disease state yet, but it's neither. It's not healthy either, right? It's 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 it is compromised it's congested and so you're not going to if you're not detoxing your toxins you're, it's either recirculating in your body it's getting to your brain it's getting to your whole body and you're just you're not going to feel well you're going to have that fatigue you're not going to sleep well you're going to be waking up from 2 to 3 a.m. at night not always with liver congestion but frequently 
you're going to often be sweating at night because your liver is going to turn on at night to try and catch up on other processes it w- it's designed to do that it doesn't have time to do during the day because it's not working. It's working at, you know, 50% capacity opposed to 100. So liver burden really adds on to this IBS situation because now you're just sitting in this toxic pool. You're often uh, liver functioning often supports healthy bowel movement. So if you are on the constipation side of things with IBS or you swing between constipation and diarrhea, you really want to be thinking about liver health and all the things that make liver healthy and all the things that makes unhealthy. Um, it's not just enough to take, oh, I'm just going to take a liver supplement. Um, you know, things that are marketed, this helps your liver. That is good. It's not enough. If Because usually your liver's gotten to where it's at due to pathogens, mineral toxicity, food sensitivities, a million other things that need to also be addressed simultaneously. Otherwise, kind of the supplement you're taking for your liver, it's it's marginally helping, but it's not actually healing you. It's just kind of like sweeping up the dust when there's just a, where actually you need more of like a bulldozer or you need more of like something to like clean out huge boulders opposed to just sweeping across an area. So that's um, for for liver, there's a lot of correlating symptoms, by the way, with liver congestion and liver burden. For example, a lot of hormone problems, PMS, irregular periods, infertility, um, moodiness, uh, just lots of things related to hormone imbalance, endometriosis, uterine fibroids really have a strong connection to liver burden and liver congestion. So um, other things that you can have is sinus problems, chronic sinusitis or congestion, allergies, um, and then also skin problems. So eczema, rashes, acne, uh, because your skin's having to now start to detox more and more things and your body and your, because your liver's not, and your skin is just (laughs) going insane trying to detox. And basically your body's like, well, she's not pooping or even if she is, the liver's still not doing its job. So I guess skin, you're going to be, you're it. And skin's like, I'm not designed for this many toxins. And then you get all your, you know, swelling and acne and rashes and stuff. Um, If you want to learn more on either of those topics, I do strongly recommend you check out the Gut Sinus Connection podcast and the Gut Skin Connection podcast. We will put links in the show notes for that. And the solution to liver burden is find out what's what burdened the liver to begin with. Make sure that is dealt with. That, again, pathogens, heavy metal, stress, strain, sugar imbalance, hormone imbalance, all those things. Support those. And then, then you can support the liver and the liver will actually heal and improve its capacity to detox, create bile and all that jazz. And you don't have to support it for forever. That's the good news. Heal at once, which is what we do in our foundations program. We say heal at once and then let the body maintain its healthy homeostasis. Number five is food sensitivities. I did not name this for one first intentionally because it really is not all about the food. However, um, food sensitivities are an aspect of the problems that our clients go through. They either have not ever done a food sensitivity test or they, for example, went gluten-free, but it didn't solve all their problems. So they are eating gluten again, but they're actually sensitive to gluten. The problem is, is that they also had H. pylori and candida on top of it. And um, this is an example, but then if you go gluten-free, going gluten-free doesn't kill H. pylori. So it's not enough to just do food sensitivities, and that's what's so frustrating about the health system is if you get diagnosed with IBS, you might get sent to a nutritionist, you might 
you know, find a million food recipes that are like IBS friendly recipes, but no one is talking about or giving you solutions, giving you, you know, doing testing for helping you naturally, gently heal your pathogens. And so our clients don't have to go on the low FODMAP diet, for example. They don't have to stay on the low FODMAP diet. Our goal and our measure of healing of our clients is actually our clients having fewer food sensitivities by the time that they're done working with us. Because the once the gut has healed so much, it regains its functionality and capacity for food, whether it's a quantity of food, types of food, um, Really, food is not the villain here, but we do want to be aware, are there foods we want to be wisely staying away from because they are causing problems either temporarily or long term? So food sensitivities do play into IBS. And then lastly, histamine interference. And this is, I I added this one because this one's very common with our clients who have IBS D, so the diarrhea, or they have mixed IBS, where they're mix, they're swap, swapping from like diarrhea to constipation, diarrhea to constipation. A lot of times, it is their body saying, "I have a histamine problem going on right now," and this is not an unchangeable state, but a descriptive state. Histamine is something natural that we our body creates it. it, it we actually ingest it with some foods with that we eat, and we're we're built, our bodies are built to be able to handle and um, really not be overwhelmed by histamine. If you are having a histamine problem, then you the problem is one or both of these things. You either have an increase, something causing excess, like a wave of excess histamine um, to come into the body, and that can be H. pylori, that can be estrogen is prohistamine. So any period problems, you know, estrogen dominance, you know, painful, tender breasts, you know, heavy periods, irregular periods, like these are all moodiness, anger, irritability. That's part of PMS, you know, type stuff. That's all pointing to estrogen dominance and estrogen is going to make histamine just way crazier. So you want to deal with the excess estrogen, which is dealing with the liver, which is why is the liver unhappy. It's all connected. Try to connect the dots here for y'all. But um, what you want to be doing with histamine is, is, is there identifying what's causing is there anything causing a lot of excess histamine exposure? Some people there is, some people there isn't. But then also, how uh, do I have good histamine detoxification pathways? Are those open? Are they functioning? Because our body naturally breaks down histamine primarily through the gut and the liver. There's a couple different ways that enzymes and functions that our body does that. So you want to, if you can both reduce the exposure to histamine and then also improve the detoxification pathways of histamine, that diarrhea is going to be going away, as well as other additional histamine symptoms, such as skin problems, sinus problems, a lot of that like same liver stuff going on. Um, uh, Again, hormone problems, mood problems, histamine can really cause just a lot of basically inflammation everywhere in the body, joint pain, muscle pain, poor sleep, um, low melatonin levels, all sorts of stuff. So that can be dealt with and we do deal with it fairly regularly with our clients. So all of that to say, those are six common causes um, underlying IBS. They're not maybe every single specific thing, but really we're finding if we're hitting those six things, we're looking for them, we are getting a majority of our clients' symptoms. We're really healing them. Um, there's sometimes other straggling specific things to our clients going on, but those are going to be some big ones. So the solution to IBS, again, as a reminder, is to find what is specifically going on in your unique body because the thing that's causing your IBS is 
likely not the exact set of things causing somebody else's IBS. So that's why IBS programs may or may not work um, because they might address a handful of causes of IBS, but not every possibility or not with testing. So it's specific to you. It might just be eat this food, don't eat this food, do some meditation, you know, whatever it is, it might be generally good things, but if it's not specific enough to you and they're missing some key things, IBS programs, you know, free things you can download or, you know, little things you can do that are six weeks or 40 days or 12 weeks or whatever, they're not going to fully heal you. So if you have already done these things, like if you're listening, you're like, I've already done the low FODMAP diet, low histamine diet, food elimination diets. I've tried everything I know that I've heard should help or could help with IBS and I still have symptoms. If you have never had someone look for pathogens or mineral imbalances or liver burden or histamine intolerance or physical restrictions in your body, then we, I invite you to join the foundations program the Foundations 2022 program is Better Belly Therapy's 12-month program designed to completely heal you of your IBS, gut health, and hormone problems. Our clients who have gone through this program have healed themselves of fibromyalgia, endometriosis, IBS, Crohn's disease, irregular and painful periods, eczema, insomnia, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, food sensitivities, and more. The Foundations program includes four foundational functional labs to test your gut, pathogens, mineral balance, food sensitivities, and hormones. It includes a fully customized health plan designed specifically for you. It includes 12 monthly one-to-one coaching calls with our team's expert functional health coach to help keep you on track and just make sure that everything you're doing is putting you in the direction of healing as fast and as deeply as possible. You get 12 monthly group training calls with me. You get 12 monthly laser coaching calls with me where you get extra coaching, extra training, and making sure that you're not just going through this process and following steps someone says you should do because they told you to, but you are understanding your body more at the end of this program, that you can be autonomous and self-leading in your health. Um, So if you are ready to end your IBS, gut health problems, and autoimmune flares, if you're ready to get your energy back and feel like yourself again, then I want to invite you to apply for an onboarding call for our program. When you apply, you're going to fill out a qualifying call form and we read that form. And if you are a good fit for our program, then you will be contacted and allowed to schedule an appointment for an onboarding call where you can join the foundations program. Prior to that call, you'll get all the information on our program, again, what it includes, its investment. And I want you to to not worry. We want to make this affordable for all of our clients. Um, It is an investment because honestly, just like you invest in a house or you invest in a car, you invest in your education, we invest in our bodies and we invest in our bodies for our future and for our families and for our own just for ourselves because we're worth it because you're worth it. Um, But we do have a payment plan so that we can make this as affordable and accessible to all of our clients as possible. I would love, love, love to see you in our foundations program. It's never too late to join. Like you have not missed the boat. You're not stuck, stuck being sick forever. You have not waited too long. We have had clients from ages 20 to ages 60 in our program. And you're not too old. You're not too sick. You haven't been sick for too long. You don't have too many problems going on. If we can help you, we will see that in the qualifying, your application qualifying form. 
and we will invite you to your onboarding call. It's so exciting just to see our ladies getting healthy and healthier, overcoming fibromyalgia, overcoming endometriosis, overcoming uterine fibroids, overcoming cystic uh, interstitial cystitis, just overcoming so many things that they were told you're going to have this forever. You're going to have acid reflux forever. You're going to have gastroparesis forever. And guess what? They don't. And neither do you. So please, and I invite you, I cannot wait to see you on your onboarding call. Apply for the Foundation's 2022 program. We are accepting new clients now. All right. Well, I hope you guys loved this episode and I hope you had some insights, like six most common causes of IBS. There's actually six things. I wish I had that when I was going through all my health problems so many years ago, and now you have it. So I hope this episode was helpful. If you love this episode, I want to encourage you, if you've not subscribed, do so today. Subscribe, just hit that button because we have so many more podcast episodes coming down the line. And if you thought of a friend while you were listening to this podcast episode, I encourage you, take a screenshot and send it to that friend. I cannot think of, count how many times I say to someone, I'm a gut health therapist, and they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. And I bet you have somebody else who you know too who could benefit from healing and hope honestly hope in their health other ways that you can support our podcast if you've been listening for a while or if you just join us and you're loving the information is just by leaving a rating and review on our apple podcast if you're listening on apple podcast you just go down to the bottom of the app and click leave a rating and review it means so much and it helps other people just like you to find this podcast and other ways that you can stay in the conversation is by following us on instagram Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners there. And it means so much if you drop by and said hi. And as a reminder, our motto, miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. You are on your way to healing. You are not stuck. Just keep moving forward and you are going to have a healthier, happier you than you've ever imagined. You've got this and I believe in you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode.